The text which I've chosen for the sermon this morning is Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses, Luke 5, 1 to 11. And there we read the word of God as follows. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So far the text Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Lemon, guests worshiping with us this morning. In our text, we find the Lord Jesus in a kind of a bucolic type of situation. One of the fishing villages by the Lake of Gennesaret called the Sea of Galilee to small, humble homes, net-drying racks out back, Hard-working people live there who depend on what the lake gives them. They eke out a living, a meager existence by fishing. But they love the freedom there. And that's why they're so often in, also in rebellion against the Roman authorities and the authorities in Jerusalem. No real prophet ever came from Galilee, it's said later on in the New Testament. Well, that's where we find Jesus in our text then. And it's in that region that he goes about revealing his glory as the promised Messiah and the glory of his kingdom. If you look through the previous chapter, you'll see that he started his messianic ministry there in Galilee. We read that chapter 4. It's there that he also lays the basis for his New Testament church because he chooses his first apostles from among those fishermen in Galilee. So that's the context of the text for the sermon this morning, and I preached that text with this theme, Jesus' glory in the amazing catch of fish. And we can divide that text into three main parts, that glory of Jesus seen, that glory brings to humility, humbles 
And in the third place, that glory guarantees more blessing. So, first of all, that glory was seen. Jesus was speaking the word of God to crowds of people along the shore of the lake. He went about in Galilee. You can see from Luke 4, preaching to the people that the year of the Lord's favor, as prophesied by Isaiah, had come. That was the year of Jubilee, had come. The time when slaves would be set free, the oppressed set at liberty, even the blind made to see. And Jesus then demonstrated that that time of salvation and liberty had come to the people of Israel by casting out demons and healing many people of sickness. Well, you can imagine then that the people hung on Jesus' words. And the people at the back of the crowd, they pushed forward to hear him better. And the Lord Jesus had to step back farther and farther until he was at the brink of the lake. And then he noticed there were two fishing boats pulled up on the shore there. As Luke writes, the fishermen had gone out of those boats and were washing their nets, Simon, one of them. Now, think about that for a moment. Let's just think about that for a moment. Those boats belonged to Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, and to the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Two men per boat, apparently. And those men were busy washing the nets while this whole crowd was busy listening to Jesus. We would have expected that Simon and Andrew and James and John would have been there too listening to that preaching. But no, they were busy with something else. Jesus had just recently healed Simon's mother of an illness, mother-in-law of an illness. We read that too. And not only that, Jesus at that point had already called those men to be his disciples. That had taken place right after the preaching of John the Baptist already. As you can read in John 1. At that time, Jesus had looked at Simon and told him that he would be called Peter, which means rock. He'd already given him another name too, Cephas. But Peter hardly seems to be a rock Jesus can build his church on if you see him washing nets while Jesus stands there preaching, right? I thought about that and I think Peter was in a bad mood because he and Andrew had fished all night and caught nothing at all in their nets. Maybe it even irritated Peter that his master had caused all those people to be there along the shore while he and the others had lots of work to do yet, cleaning their nets. What good is a nice sermon if, as fishermen, you have empty nets and work to do? In any case, Jesus had interrupted that net washing because he stepped into Simon's boat 
he was pushed to the shore and he stepped into Simon's boat and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. It says in verse 3, and then Jesus sat down and taught the people seated in that boat, sitting there and from the boat a few feet out from the shore. Simon has to listen whether he wants to or not. Give up his net washing and put out from shore and sit in the boat and listen to Jesus. Jesus, we see Jesus' glory in that. He simply ignored whatever Simon might have been thinking at the time, took possession of his boat. Yes, Simon, fish or no fish, the preaching has to go on. After all, it's the gospel of eternal salvation. And so Jesus, we could say, set out his net for Simon. He did what he did to show his glory to his disciples, and in particular to Simon. And that's why the Lord Jesus goes a step farther with Simon, and he speaks personally to him. After he finished his sermon on the beach, he says to Simon, verse 4, he says, put out... Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He's going to show his glory to Simon, who is more focused on fish than on the the gospel. He's going to catch Simon and the others in his net. That net is already laid out for them. He's going to draw them in and make real disciples of them. Let down your nets for a catch, he says, as if the fish were waiting there to get caught. And don't forget, it was the middle of the day. That was not a good time to catch fish, if you ask any of the fishermen here. The middle of the day. Not the best time. Also not in the lake of Gennesaret. Because the best time there was apparently at night. Simon and the others had fished all night. And they had caught nothing. So from a purely human point of view, there was no chance at all that they would catch anything in the middle of the day. Simon must have thought something like, I'm the fisherman here, Jesus. I know it's no use. What are you thinking? But Jesus' intent is exactly to show Simon that Jesus' disciples have to learn to listen to his word and to go by that word alone. When he says, launch out into the deep and let your nets down, he's not just saying, well, put out and give it, let's give it another shot. See what happens. No. He's not appealing to Simon's abilities and strengths or so as a fisherman. He's calling on Simon and the others there and on us today too to depend completely on his capabilities and his strengths, his power. And then when we can't do something, when we run out of ability and strength, we easily become discouraged, don't we? But then it's the glory of our Savior to open ways and means for us that we don't think are possible even if you work away the whole night and maybe your whole life long without any real hope, then the Lord Jesus says, believe. 
and you will see the glory of God. And then if you believe, you do see his glory. For years, maybe you hung on the edge of Hope Glen. It was there. And then the Lord Jesus came to you and put out the net to take hold of you today. Now you see his glory too as your Savior and your Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus command to let down the nets in the middle of the day went against everything Simon had learned from his experience, his considerable experience about fishing in the lake of Gennesaret. So you, you can understand why he said to Jesus, Master, we, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught a thing. But, because you say so, I'll go ahead and do it. We'll let down the nets. At least he, he realizes he can't refuse the word of Jesus if he's going to be his disciple. Even though he might still have had lots of doubts, he submitted to Jesus, to his word. And that submission is needed because only in that way will Simon come to see Jesus' glory. Only in the way of submission to Jesus' words will you find, will you see his glory and will you find blessing. But you need to follow his word first. And then you see it too. That's God's MO. Modi operandi. Method of operation, right? He brings to faith via the word so that you only want to go by his word. That faith then also brings blessing. Think of the other saints in the Bible who profess the same faith in God's word. Noah, you know, he built that ark by God's command on dry land. People must have wondered, what in the world? Abram, who left his country and family when God told him to go to a land, he didn't really tell him where he was going. Just going to wander and see where God would tell him to go. And Moses, who went back to Egypt where he had fled from before just because God told him, go back there. Many, many others in the Bible and the faith of those people was not put to shame. They obeyed and they saw God's glory and they were not put to shame. They were blessed. And that's because the word they trusted was from the Lord who never lies and who never fails to do as he says he will. So we, we need to trust that word today too. We can, we can trust that word of God today too. You too, Glenn. Your trust in God's word in the doctrine of the Bible will not be put to shame. Believing that word, that gospel of the kingdom of heaven, opens your eyes to God's glory and to his blessings. And Jesus fills your hands and your heart with his blessings as he did Simon and the others with fish he shows you that he's the one who alone can give what's needed and give joy you'll see that he's the one who redeems your life from the pit 
and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He gives himself to you by way of your submission to his word. And that makes us small and it makes him great. Because now we come to the second part of the sermon. God's glory humbles. So, following Jesus' word, Simon puts out the boat, lets down the nets in the middle of the day, and then he obeys the word of Jesus, and then he sees his glory too. He sees Jesus' glory. Because when he wanted to haul in the nets, they were so full of fish, they were breaking. Those nets were breaking. He has to signal to James and John to come out with their boat help, with the catch, and both boats were so full of fish that they were beginning to sink. And that's the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ there. That huge catch wasn't because of the fish or the fishermen. It was because of the master. He drove those fish into that net. When Simon sees that huge catch of fish, he realizes how far out he had been. And it becomes too much for him. He suddenly sees the glory and the power of his master. And at the same time, he realizes how small he himself is. Who is he before Jesus? He sees Jesus sitting in his boat full of fish. Jesus still sitting in that boat. And he falls down at Jesus' knees, as it says. And he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He sees, he now sees his own stubbornness, his own doubts, his own questions, his own being. He sees it in a different light. He sees himself in a different light. Oh, his attitude was understandable after a whole night of toil without result. But before Jesus, that was a sinful thing. And that's how it is for us today in life today too, isn't it, congregation? Much of how we think and feel and react is understandable due to the circumstances we find ourselves in. But in the light of Jesus' grace and glory, a lot of how we react to things and respond to things is sinful. We can sometimes struggle with our daily existence, our work, our families, our spiritual life. And then our reactions are not what they should be. And we can then also resent what the Lord says in his word about being patient and loving and kind Etc., etc. He doesn't seem to understand our circumstances, doesn't seem to care about our specific concerns, about our, us ourselves. And then we suddenly, then we suddenly sit there, we read the Bible, or we hear, we hear it proclaimed, and we, we suddenly understand and see something of the glory of the Lord in a word we read in the Bible or hear in a sermon. And then we also see ourselves in the light of his glory. And then we say, oh Lord, 
How in the world could I have thought that? How could I have said that? How could I have doubted that about you? How could I have thought so small about you? Depart from me because I'm a sinful person. That's what you experience too. When you see the glory of the Lord, when you come to see that, it humbles you. You experience that too, right, Brother Lemon? See something of God's glory when you worshiped and you realize more than ever before, this is what I need. This is what I need. Simon Peter saw something of the glory of the Lord in that wonderful catch of fish and it totally humbled him. You only realize how far away from the Lord you are if he comes first to you in his majesty and glory. And then he brings you to true humility before him so that you, as it were, fall at his feet. Simon Peter came to see who he really is in the light of the Lord's glory. And he came to upright humility. Lord, not worthy to be your disciple. You called me to be one of your disciples. I was happy about that. You even gave me the name Cephas, Peter, rock. But I can't be a rock. I'm not strong enough. You can't build your church on me. I'm too weak, too this worldly. You made a mistake when you chose me. But the Lord Jesus didn't make a mistake, did he? No, Simon Peter, he, he never makes a mistake. Simon Peter is now where Jesus wanted him to be, where he can use him for his church and his kingdom. That's how it works in God's kingdom and church congregation. We're strongest there when we're weakest. We're greatest when we're smallest before the Lord. Simon was called to be rock, but he could only be a rock for the kingdom and church of Christ if he first became a grain of sand in himself. Depart from me, Simon Peter said at the time. Later on, the same Simon would say, Lord, in John 6, he would say, Lord. Jesus says to him, by the way, he says, why don't you go too with the others? Because there were so many leaving him at that time. And then Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, and those two words go together in the life of a Christian, don't they? Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And where shall I go? Because you alone have the words of eternal life. Looking at yourself, you say, depart from me. I'm just a sinful person. But when we really come to know Jesus, we confess, Lord, where else can we go except to you? For you have the words of eternal life. That's how it is when you embrace Christ as your Savior, when you see his glory and embrace him, you profess him as your hope and salvation, then he has you where he wants you. Then you can be fruitful for his kingdom and his church. Then you seek your life outside of yourself in Christ. Then you're small, he's great. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon too. That glory guarantees blessing. Simon doesn't feel he's worthy or capable 
of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus. He's just a plain old sinful fisherman. And the Savior must have been mistaken about him, he thinks. He can't be a good servant for the Lord. What does Jesus do? Does he undo his appointment of Simon Peter as his disciple? Does he say, well, yeah, you're right. I guess I made a big mistake here. No, not at all. He maintains his appointment. He maintains his appointment. And he doesn't explain to Simon that he's psychologically suited for the task after all or so that he now understood that. No, his appointment to serve the Savior's kingdom and church is simply a matter of divine will and sovereignty. And Jesus simply says to him, verse 10, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Don't be afraid, Peter. Sometimes you can have your, your questions and your doubts. But Peter, don't be afraid. I'm giving you, I'm maintaining that appointment. You will be catching men. And with those Jesus words, Jesus confirms his appointment of Simon and specifies what his task for him will be. He's called to write and bring the gospel of his master to others. Peter, one of the apostles, wrote the two letters of Peter. He also is behind the letter of Mark. Mark wrote it on Peter's instruction. Simon doesn't see how he can be the Lord's servant, how he will be able to catch men. How can he, plain, rough fisherman that he is, sinner that he is, speak and write the gospel of eternal salvation in Christ? How can he serve like that in that glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ and in his church? But the Lord Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. And he adds, from now on, you will be catching men. And those last words are not just a calling, but they're a promise. You will be catching men. The calling is to bring the gospel in this world by writing as eyewitness and preaching. Think of Peter's proclamation of the gospel related also in the Acts of the Apostles after Pentecost and so. And the, and the promise is that that work will be blessed with response. You will be catching men. See, Jesus, the Lord Jesus would also be able to drive fish into Peter's net, spiritual net. That miraculous catch of fish on the Sea of Galilee is the guarantee that Peter's work, life work, will be blessed. People will certainly be brought to profess their life and salvation in Christ and him alone. And that guarantee is necessary for without it who could ever live according to or bring the gospel into this world it's fine to catch fish it's a hard life you can normally make a living as a fisherman but fishing for people is a lot more difficult because who wants to get ca- get caught in the net of the gospel who of all people wants to go into that net who of us too would, would want to swim into that net and get caught there in that gospel net? But therefore Jesus comforts Simon Peter and us today too with those words, from now on you will be catching fish.
catching people. That means that in spite of the natural resistance to the gospel, because we all by nature resist that gospel, it's foolishness to us, but in spite of that natural resistance to the gospel, people will be caught by it and brought to faith and hope and new life in Christ. And it won't be because of their intellect or ability or anything else. It'll be because of the word of the Lord and his glory which comes forth in that word. None of us can bring people to Jesus. None of us would be able to choose for him out of ourselves. He alone miraculously brings people into the net of his gospel. It's he who catches them. We're all caught in that net to our own amazement if we think about it. How did we get here? Jesus caught us. And Glenn, I'm sure you're kind of amazed to find yourself here at the front of the church professing your faith too. Caught in the net. We're certainly amazed and thankful. Caught in the gospel net. Jesus said to Simon, from now on you will be catching people. And we see the Lord fulfilling that promise of blessing in that there's a church here with people caught in the net of the gospel of Christ and still being caught in it. We see the Lord's grace and faithfulness in that. And if we see that today, imagine the promised blessings that we'll see in the future when he comes to gather in his final harvest, the great catch forever. Amen.